0: All right, guys. Open up your Bibles to Book of Mark. We got I got two things we need to pray for real quick. Um, Jesus has surgery on his on his uh, ankle, so we're gonna pray for Jesus. He's watching online. Hi, Jesus. Everyone, tell Jesus how much you love him. Hi, Jesus. Do you hear that? They really love you. <laughs> Tayama. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna pray for Jesus first, uh, Father. We pray that you would continue uh, helping Jesus, especially with his pain and the healing of his ankle, and uh, I pray that he would be back on his feet soon, and um, we pray that you would encourage him, even while he's uh, sitting there, uh, maybe feeling lonely, I just pray that you would abide with him very closely. Amen. 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 Uh, secondly, he'd probably hate me, but um, George had some sort of accident uh, today, and he texted me and says he's in the hospital, about to go into surgery. Um, so let's pray for George. We don't, I don't know have any more details than what I just shared. So um, he's at Swedish, is all I know. Uh, so uh, let's pray for George, OK. Father, we don't know what's going on, but we love George, and we love, uh, especially his terrible jokes, and um, we, they, they, he truly makes me smile. And I know, Father, that you have cherished him every day of his life, and so we pray that you would be with him right now and with whatever is going on, and um, God help him, and just give the doctor skill and wisdom in the surgery to take good care of him, and please abide with George uh, like we know you will. Amen. 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 Lastly, thank you all for, I don't know, if you're on Facebook, you might have seen that my grandfather passed away yesterday, Um, so I want to just thank you all as my mom's dad, and um, uh, so just thank you all for praying for us, and uh, we... uh, Appreciate that, and uh, we're doing good, um, But, uh, and we're very, very happy he's in heaven, and he's uh, full of joy and dancing and um, probably doing math problems up in heaven right now because he loved, he was a, like a mathematician. So anyway, um, yeah, we're, we're happy about that. Um, so one last prayer, if you guys would pray with me for our study today, and then we'll get into the word of God. Father, I pray um, that, you see all things, and you definitely see our hearts right now, and and um, that's pretty scary because our hearts sometimes hide some, some pretty messed up stuff. And Jesus, a lot of times um, we don't want to open the doors to you, and we want to just... Fake it, we want to be at church on the outside, but on the inside, we are somewhere else. So Father, I pray that that you would help us to be humble before you, and you would fill us with faith, helping us to believe what your word says. In your name I pray, amen. Amen. Today's sermon is called, You Have a Dirty Heart. But dirt is in parentheses. You have a dirty heart. You'll get it later. Don't worry. I love my sermon titles. It's my favorite thing. That's right. <laughs> All right. Um, what's the heart of the issue? This is the heart of the matter. Get to the heart of it. Speak from the heart. The bottom of the heart. The whole heart. Close to the heart. Home is where the heart is. I got my heart on my sleeve. It's so heartfelt. Have a heart. Eat your heart out. Heart and soul. Follow your heart. A heart of gold. My heart skips a beat. I know it in my heart of hearts. I know it by heart. I pour out my heart. I take it to heart. I tug at some heartstrings with a heavy heart. My heart bleeds for this. I'd say that heart is a fairly well-developed concept in our culture. I said, I just looked up idioms that use the word heart on Google, and that's what it gave me. It, It seems like we're all pretty obsessed with our hearts, talking about our hearts, you know. It's pretty much all that we talk about, and it may be all that we sing about, too. You know, like, total eclipse of the heart. Achy, breaky heart. My heart will go on. Open your heart. Harden my heart. Your cheating heart. Listen to your heart. Heartbreak hotel. My heart has a mind of its own. You guys like those songs? (laughs) Who recognized every single one of those? You are a child of the 80s, my friend. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> Webster defines it like this. The heart is one's innermost character or, or the feelings and inclinations that, that are deep inside you. All right? And today Jesus is going to do something very, very uncomfortable for all of you and me. He's going to cut us open, open up our chest, hold up a mirror, and show you your heart. Uh-oh. That's what Chris says. Uh-oh. You are right, my friend. Uh oh, indeed. Why? Why would Jesus do such a thing? I go through a lot of trouble to make sure that nobody has access to my heart. I hide it, I protect it. Because pain in the heart is a thousand times worse than any physical pain, isn't it? And I've experienced just as much, about as much pain as I can handle in my heart. In fact, more than I can handle. So I'm actually really skittish about allowing anybody access to my heart. Does anyone else in that same boat with me? We're just, it's tough to open up, right? But my friends, a farmer does not hate his crops. He loves them. He does what's best for them. A father does not hate his ch- child. He loves them. And he does what's best for them. And your heavenly bridegroom does not hate you. And he will never be careless with your heart. He loves you with all his heart. And he will always do what is best for you. And today, for some reason, it's best for us to know what kind of heart we have. What did God create man out of on the sixth day? When he he made man, what did he make us out of? Dirt, Dirt. Dirt. right? You're just a dirt bag. (laughs) Dirt, that's our core. That is is what we're made from, dirt. That's our makeup. And so this is the image that Jesus is going to use today for our hearts in the parable that we're going to study today, dirt or soil or earth, and uh, all of these, these parables, this dirt, is a, is, a, is a story, it's a parable about your heart, about your heart. So that's our introduction, that's what we're going to be talking about today. So let's go ahead and read some of our texts, and we'll get started. Matthew chapter 4, verses w- Mark, oh, geez, thank you, guys. <laughs> I don't know why I said Matthew. Uh, Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 20. And he began to teach by the sea, and a great multitude was gathered to him, so that he got in a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole multitude was on the land facing him. Then he taught them many things by parables, and said to them in his teaching, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. Now, we don't use the word sower a lot of times in our culture. So what it means is a farmer going to scatter seed on the ground. And it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside and birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on stony ground where it did not have much earth and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, It was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up, choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased, and produced, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. And then he said to them, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Insert corny joke here. I had that in my notes. Corny joke, get it? Ears to hear? So close. Okay. What does this mean, this parable? Okay, don't worry. Jesus is going to explain it all in one minute. Uh, But the first question we have is, why does Jesus use parables instead of just telling people what's up? You ever wonder that? Uh, Okay, thank you for preaching my sermon, Chris. Get out, just kidding. (laughs) Why would Jesus hide the meaning of a parable, right, of this story? Well, actually, Hollywood does this all the time. Um, They've learned that people can be touched and moved by a story in their hearts. And, And since this story is about hearts, it's pretty fitting. Uh, that Jesus is using a parable, so parables they, they shoot for the heart right we 're going to get into this in just a minute um, let's let 's look at how Jesus explains it though, but when he was alone, those around him and his twelve asked him about the parable parable okay Jesus gives a parable to the whole like community everyone that 's there, the whole world you could say, but the meaning of the parable doesn't come to his disciples until they get alone with him. Do you see a lesson there? Okay. God will speak to you when you get alone with him. He will reveal the things that are mysteries to you at the beginning. Okay. He said to them, to you it has been given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But to those who are on the outside, all things come in parables, so that seeing they may, not, they may see and not perceive, and hearing they may hear and not understand, lest they should turn and their sins be forgiven them. So Jesus, he, he says the reason that he uses parables is to separate people into two groups. Those who have been given something and those who are on the outside. And and give is is the language of grace. Give is the language of grace. So whenever something is given, that means it is something that God, by his grace, is supplying to us, whereas people on the outside are the opposite of that. Those who have been given grace will see and perceive and hear and understand. Those who are on the outside, they will not. They might see, but it won't matter because they won't perceive it in their heart. They might hear, but they won't understand. In other words, it won't get into their heart. Always the heart. That's where Jesus is aiming. Always the heart. And some people claim to understand the Bible, but it never penetrates into their heart, right? We know people like that. Oh, I've read the Bible two times. Why are you such a jerk? Why, why are you so mean? Why do you not, oh, I've read it, but obviously it hasn't gone into the heart. Even if you understood it in your mind, if it doesn't go into the heart, it doesn't matter. So parables, it's funny because some people, they, they sit there and they, they're like, well, let's see what, I'm going to judge this parable. I'm going to judge the word. I'm going to find out if the word of God is really right. If the word of God is really good for me, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to judge this parable. I'm going to see what it has for me. And Jesus says here, that's not how this works. The parable judges you. The parable ju- So instead of you looking at what do I see in this, the parable says, I'll tell you who you are. When you hear this parable, is it revealed to you in your heart? Do you hear the Lord's voice? If it is, then you've been given by grace the understanding. If you're like, why is Jesus saying this? And Jesus' word is so confusing, it's so weird, and I don't want to follow him, I don't like him, I don't like all this rule, I don't like all this stuff. The parable, the word of God, has just judged you and said, Your heart is not ready. You're not ready. You don't have my life in you. You don't have my spirit in you. So this word of God, that's what this cool thing about parables is, is they judge us. And that is scary, isn't it? Because I know a lot of times when I read the word of God, I feel judged. I feel worried. I feel, It's scary. But again, my bridegroom, Jesus, he loves me and And when I'm actually understanding the depths of my sin and I'm actually understanding what kind of person I really am, it's God's love. And He's saying, Listen, child, you need me. And I care about you, but you need me. So parables make this happen. If you don't want to know God in His truth, um, if you want to know God in His truth, then He will reveal to you the meaning of the parable if you don't it'll continue to be a mystery to you it's like a doctor uh you can only it's like excuse me doctor it's like a door you can only enter in this door by faith in your heart and and god can see your heart your dirty heart right so speaking of dirty hearts let's look at the explanation of this parable that jesus gives us and let's find out what it means for us today because jesus is just going to explain it very clearly for us and he said to them do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? So Jesus is like, okay, guys, I'm going to teach you how to understand parables. Every parable, I'm going to teach you how to understand it. But it's not a formula, there's no instruction sheet that says how to understand parables. It's about your heart. That's how you'll understand every parable. It's about your heart. Your heart is going to determine if you really will hear what God is wanting you to hear. Really see what God is dying for you to see. Your heart is the key. So it says here, the sower sows the word. That's his first explanation and and teaching us about this. And, And what this means is that God wants to speak to you. And he's chosen a vehicle that he will always use and that vehicle he wants to speak to you in is called the Word. And who is the Word? Jesus, right? So it's Jesus who is so connected with the Word of God <laughs> that his name is the Word of God. So, as we open the Word, his Son, Jesus, these are the words of his Son which are equal with his own words, God's own words, and which Jesus speaks to us, the words of God. This is always how God prefers to communicate to his children, is through the word of God. Uh, That doesn't mean he doesn't doesn't use other methods, too, like a dream or something like that. And those those are possible, but it will always agree with this word of God, okay? So, the message of God, here it says, is like a seed. The sower sows a seed, which is the word. And it's scattered in many ways. You know, preachers preach you the word of God. You, you read the Bible, you listen to the Bible, the radio, casual conversations, the seeds are being scattered all the time. Anytime the words of Jesus are spread out there, it is the, word, the, word being, the seeds being spread. And the seeds don't grow if they don't get planted into the dirt. And God's word is the same way. He desires to plant it into the dirt of our hearts. And that's what this parable is about. So check this out. Jesus is the word, like we just said, right? In John chapter 12, verse 24, Jesus says this, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much fruit. So Jesus says that a seed cannot produce fruit unless it dies first. But if it dies, it can produce a whole lot of fruit. And what it means what he means by dies is gets planted, you know, like six feet underground, like in the earth, like when you die, right? Now, Jesus has died, right? And his life is available to us to bear fruit. It's like a seed being planted in our hearts. And the life that's produced is his own life, his resurrection life. But it doesn't happen in all hearts. Only those who have the right conditions, the right kind of hearts. Those are the only ones this works with. And these conditions are BK what? That's right. Faith and humility. Those are the conditions that God is looking for in a heart. Humility and faith work together to soften the dirt of our hearts for, for God's seed to grow in. However, we receive, uh, sorry, question for you. Have we received his death into our hearts? That seed, have we received it so that his life can grow in us? You do that by faith, not by getting baptized not by shouting you're, that you're a member of a church, not by getting a tattoo, but by, uh, by faith, agreeing and believing in the Lord. Your heart is the dirt, and the death and life of Jesus are the seeds. So how do we get this seed planted into us? It's all about the condition of the soil, the dirt, the heart, okay? Jesus gives us four conditions of the heart. Which one is going to describe you? What do you think? Starts here. the And these ones by the wayside or on the path where the word is sown, when they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in the heart. So this first kind of heart is called the hard heart, okay? And I've seen it time after time. Some poor soul that will never listen to God's perfect word. They will not. They cannot. It's a big mystery to them. And I have had this heart before. If you're this person, you do not worship God. Okay. You you are not affected by anything you hear. It's like Charlie Brown's mom. No matter how Hard or how skillfully the preacher speaks, the seed can never break through the hardened asphalt of your heart. And if it did, it would be like a miracle, the same type of miracle as if a a corn stalk grew up in the middle of I-25. It can't happen, right? It's too hard. There's too much traffic on it. And he says here, the traffic is Satan himself. He's the one going back and forth. You may feel like you like church or religion or music or intelligent conversations, but you are very comfortable with all all those things to exist right alongside with your sin. You're totally cool with it. You have no interest in forsaking sins. This is what this person is like. And in your pride, you think you're right. Any messenger of truth who calls you out on your sin is an enemy and a judger and a Bible thumper, right? And you cannot abide with them. As opposed to a soft heart that desires holiness so much that a rebuke from a friend is a sweet sound. Those are the two differences we see. Here's a Spurgeon quote, Spurgeon quote. Why do men come to hear the word that never enters their hearts? This has often puzzled us. Some hearers would not be absent on a Sunday on any account. They're delighted to come with us to worship, but yet the tear never trickles down their cheek. Their soul never mounts up to heaven on wings of praise, nor... Do they truly join in our confession of sin? They do not think of the wrath to come, nor of their future state of their souls. Their heart is as hard as iron. This is someone who goes to church. We're not even talking about people where the word of God is not being spread. These are church people. And he's saying the first type is the hard-hearted type. What can we do for you, Spurgeon says. Can we ever preach hard enough to soften a heart? We can't cry enough rivers of tears to break up your hardness. No, it's it's only a job for God. Only his grace can break up a hard heart. And I believe that he will. If you would simply ask him, are you tired of this death that you live, this hardness? Cry out to God to give you a new heart, a heart that can receive the implanted word of God. Cry out to him with humility saying, God, I need you. And faith, God, I trust you. It's the only way to change this heart. There's no hard heart reformation programs in the Bible. We can't do it. We can't reform it. We can't do enough pounding on it to make it soft. Even though we sometimes employ that strategy. When someone's living in sin, we're just like, come on. That's not the way it works, right? All right, well, let's look at the second one. These, likewise, are the ones sown on stony ground who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness, but they have no root in themselves. So they endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. And we call this the shallow heart. The first one was the what? The hard heart. The second one is the shallow heart. And I've seen this one time after time. Someone responds to the message of grace with great joy and even emotion. So happy to know that they're loved and forgiven by Christ and then that's it. They never grow. They never produce fruit. They fade away. They find that there is always something else to do on Sundays. My mornings are always so busy I cannot really give any time to fellowship with God. I have this, I have had this heart in my life. I've had a hard heart. I've had a shallow heart. If you're this person, you say you believe. You call yourself a Christian, a Christ follower. Then things get hard and the truth comes out. You are not a Christ follower. You want it easy. You just want what is easy. And it's easy to follow Jesus when things are Easy, but when hard times come and you need to have a real connection with Jesus, a real supply of his life in you, you don't have it because you have spent no time developing this root or this lifeline with Christ. The supply of his life in you is just gone because there's no time spent there. You shrivel and die spiritually. Isn't that a bummer? Who wants that? Old shriveled up life. And if I do your funeral, I will be forced to say, here lies someone that could have grown, but they did not because they had no root. They produced no fruit. They thought they had the easy life, but now they have no life because a shallowed heart cannot go deep into the life of God. Can I give you this depth, friends? No. Can I protect the seed so it grows in your shallow heart? No. I can't do it. But you may cry out to God for a new heart. A heart that is more than just surface and shallow, just momentary, just temporary, but then just retreats into itself when things get hard, when the sun beats down. You can pray and ask God for a heart of good soil if you will call upon the Lord. Let's look at number three. Now, these are the ones sown among thorns, and they are the ones who hear the word. And then the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things entering in choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful me explain that they hear the word they believe, they say they believe i I am a believer okay then it says here the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches that's the first set of people these are poor people poor people this is the distracted heart by the way the first one was hard heart the second one was the shallow heart third one is the distracted heart and the first set of people It says, the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches, these are poor people like us who are poor that are always worried about how to provide or where their next meal will come from. It's called the deceitfulness of riches, thinking, if I was rich, I wouldn't have these problems. So I need to worry about my situation. I need to worry about what's going on. God says that is the distracted heart. Then the next part, he says, and the... Uh, and the desire for other things. You combine that, and that's now he's included everybody, poor people and rich people. Rich people are always want the one other thing, right? I've, I found myself this week, I was like, ooh, look at that new iPhone. Hmm. And I thought about it for 10 seconds. 10 seconds I will never have back. And so my heart was distracted for those 10 seconds by something I thought I, I wanted to think about. Just, I'll never get it back. Ten seconds of my life. This is the distracted heart. And I've seen it time after time. A true believer knows the Lord and follows him on his way to a fruitful life. Then they get distracted. And I have had this heart. And if you're this person, you are double-minded. One foot in God's kingdom, one foot in the world's. Godly growth coming up, but also worldly plants right next to it, weeds. Just right next to each other. And I think we may have many of this kind of heart in here today. Whoa, we didn't just say that. You go to church, you hear the word of God, you sing songs, and if I were to guess, I would say that you, I think you guys all go out all week long, evangelizing our, our, our city, living for God's kingdom, producing fruit. But many times we do not. You go out, and what do we think about? Ourselves, our own kingdom, our own life. When you get home, you don't think about the Lord and His Word. You have other things on your mind also. These people have many things to think about, to see after, to worry about. I have to live my life. I have so much to do. I have this and that and the other. I cannot neglect this. I have to make a living. I have to provide for my family. I have a certain lifestyle I require. They have to look at the present. They have to look at the future. They have all they need, yet their hearts do not produce any real fruit. And they come to church, but they do not take Christ with them when they leave. No love or any other fruit is observed in their life throughout the week. It's being choked out. It's choked out. I've had that hurt so much. What's the solution? To commit to not thinking about those things anymore? No. Do not think that you can transform your own distracted heart. All we can do is turn to Christ and say, You are my life. I need you. I need you to change this heart. I cannot change it myself. That's humility. God says he gives grace to the humble, so will he answer that prayer? Yeah. You know what never works with a distracted heart? I'm going to try harder. Who's ever done that before? So many times. And it's never, ever, ever worked. But calling out to God in humility and faith always secures his blessing for us he will transform our heart so let's look at the fourth and final the good heart that we're asking for let's see what he says about it but these are the ones sown on good ground who hear the word accept it remember last week what we studied about accepting believing and accepting agreeing okay accept it and bear fruit some 30 fold some 60 and some 100 this is what we call the fruitful heart I've seen it time after time. This guy who tries super hard to keep all God's commands. Why aren't you throwing tomatoes at me right now? That was totally wrong. Totally false, right? Did God say that? Try super hard to keep my commands? That is not what he said. This is the heart that beats his chest. And cries out, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Which one does God want? The guy who thinks, watch me go, God. Watch me try. Look how much I'm going to give. Look how much I'm going to do for you. Or the one who says, God, I am so vile. I'm a sinner and I need your mercy, and I need your grace, I need your power at work in my life. Which one does God look on? The seed that falls on the heart, on this heart, this good heart, has fallen in the right spot. Could that be your heart? Is it possible for you to have this heart today? but something has to die. Your pride. This parable is awful because it demands that we crucify our pride. Jump up with Jesus on the cross, pick up our cross, follow him to the cross and nail ourselves there and say, I can do no right, but Jesus, I need you. I need you so much and I'm going to trust you. That's what this parable is about. God never puts a desire for mercy and grace in our hearts without a plan to give it. Let me say that again. God doesn't put a desire for mercy and grace. Do you have a desire for God's mercy and for God's grace? God, be merciful to me. Then God put that in your heart and he has a plan to deliver it to you. And that plan is, Ten steps. <laughs> just kidding. Twelve steps. You have a better plan. More steps means more godly, right? No, it's, it's one step. If anyone ever tries to sell you a steps, just run away. It's not the gospel. The gospel is one step. Your knees now. Bow down and say, I need you, God. Have mercy on me. One step. And God says, I'll deliver you of anything, everything. I'm yours. How wonderful is he, right? If anyone would whisper today, oh, how I wish I could be saved. It shall be done to you. Through the grace and power of Jesus, just ask him. You shall be saved and delivered from the power of sin and death. The good soil is a broken and humble heart willing to cast itself into the hands of God, trusting in his mercy and grace. But not just for a moment, guys, for a lifetime. Walking in that humility, walking in the Spirit, living a life. It's called enduring faith, persevering faith. I will not someday wake up and decide, I have this all figured out. I don't need you anymore, Jesus. What will this produce, this kind of life, this kind of brokenness, this kind of dirt? Jesus says it will produce fruit. So Different amounts of fruit. God measures it. God's the one who harvests it. God's the one who enjoys it. It's for him. He produces it. We're a part of his world. What he's doing in you, what he's making you, the good things that he is doing in you, it's for his pleasure. You're like, God, I want to be fruitful. He's like, yeah, I want you to also. God, if I was just fruitful, then I would have value. He's like, no, child, no. You have have value right now. You have value first. Do not ever believe the lie that your fruitfulness determines your value with God. He values you as a sinner. He loves you. And he'll produce the fruit in you. He says, don't stress. Do not stress about this. I got you. I will produce it in you. All I'm looking for in your life is whether you'll accept me, whether you'll trust in me. So what is this fruit that God produces that God loves so much in our lives? He produces love and joy, little babies. Sorry. (laughs) And if you were to say, what does love look like and what does joy look like? The answer is Jesus. So Jesus is at work producing Jesus in you. That's the fruit that he is producing. He reproduces himself in you. And he was the most fruitful person to ever live. He produced all the fruit that God ever wanted to see in a human life. Him. And he says, I'll do that in you. I've had each one of these hearts in my life. I've had a hard heart. I've had a shallow heart. I've had a distracted heart. And I've had a good heart. And I think sometimes in a day I have all four. I'd been hard-hearted and dead where the word meant nothing to me, where I didn't care about God or God's lamb, and I was so hard. And then an hour later, I was so shallow, not willing to go deep with the Son of God, not willing to dive into his life daily. I've been so shallow. And then an hour later, I've been so distracted, Knowing God clearly, even intimately, yet choosing to set my eyes and my attention and my heart on other things. Thinking that I need to take care of these things in order to enjoy those things. It's my responsibility to do this and it's my right to enjoy that. This has never led to fruitfulness in my life. And it never will lead to fruitfulness in your life. Being responsible doesn't lead to this kind of fruitfulness would you all open your Bibles to Psalm 32 I'd like to read this psalm, and I'm just gonna we're just gonna highlight a couple of things and this is from my devotions on Friday and I really felt like this Psalm just God used it to, to tie everything together that we're talking about today so if you would look in Psalm 32 I want you to look at the last we're gonna read the whole thing but look at the last verse verse 11 Someone stand up and read verse 11 really loud. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Yeah. When I read that verse, I was like, oh, God wants me to share this with you guys. Okay? Upright in heart. This is the good heart. This, the end of this psalm says this is what makes a good heart. This is what, per, this is what it looks like. And this is where we need to go if we're, if we're struggling today. How many of you felt, a, 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 don't raise your hands, because all of you will. How many of you felt just a little bit of conviction today that maybe one of these hearts described you? Okay, do raise your hands. <laughs> <laughs> Amen. Bunch of rebellious not list, just kidding. Okay. Again, I, I gotta stress, guys. Just seeing which heart you are doesn't do anything for you. Just saying, yeah, I got a hard heart D- doesn't do anything for you. Yeah, I'm distracted. Oh, I'm gonna try harder. Like, these things do not work. So, what does? Let's look here. Blessed is he who transgression is forgiven whose sin is covered how do we get our sins forgiven yeah. ask yeah you you go to jesus you ask him for forgiveness if you got the wrong heart today this one way out ask jesus forgive it transform it for me cuz i can't do it myself beat your heart and say be merciful to me a sinner Man, then he says, blessed is the man whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. And that word impute got me confused this week, so I looked it up in Hebrew, and it means count or reckon or calculate. So what it means is you are very happy when the Lord does not calculate your sin when he deals with you, but your sin has been done away with. Look, it went from verse one where he's like, just ask him. And then in verse two, he's like, how's that feel? <laughs> he is not, impu- he's not counting up your sin against you now. He will give you this new heart. And in whose spirit is no deceit. You don't, you're not living a lie anymore. How I many of you want that freedom? I don't want to live a lie anymore where I know I'm shallow. I know I'm hard. I know I'm distracted. I want truth. I want to be like, have the good soil. When I kept silent, my bones grew old through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. My vitality was turned into the drought of summer, Selah. In that little section, boy, does that not perfectly describe our experience when we are living with a hard heart when we're living with a distracted heart and when we're living with a shallow heart, we are dry spiritually, right? We feel it. I am dry spiritually. For this cause, everyone who is godly shall, what? Pray to you. Pray to you. In a time that you may be, when you may be found, surely in a flood of great waters, there, uh, shall come, uh, there shall not come near to him. They shall not come near to him. You are my hiding place. You shall preserve me from my trouble. You shall surround me with songs of deliverance. Selah. When we pray, he doesn't judge us. He forgives us and delivers us, right? That's what it says. Just pray. Just say, God, change my heart. I, this is God's response. Look how awesome this is. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. Do not be like the horse or like the mule, which have no understanding and must be harnessed with bit and bridle, else they will not come near you. Jesus is using parables because he wants people to have a heart that is soft and sensitive to him. He doesn't want to use the law that's like a bit and bridle saying, you are going to come here and you are going to do this right now. Okay? That's not how Jesus says, I want to do it. He's like, I want to instruct you and guide, like a farmer cares for his plants and, and protects them. and far, I don't know, if, what's the word? Husbandry, ease them. And what's his goal, else they will not come near to you. He's like, I am not giving you laws so that you can come near to me. That's not the purpose of the law. It won't work. He's like, I have a different way, my loving grace, my care for you. I will take care of this heart issue that you have. I will do it for you. And it won't be by the law, it will be by my grace. Then he says, many sorrows shall be to the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord, mercy shall surround him. God, be merciful to me. Yes, I will. That's God's promise. He will be merciful to you. Mercy shall surround you. And then he says, be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. Will you confess your hardness of heart to God today? Will you confess your shallowness of heart? Will you confess your distractedness of heart to God? Will you humble yourself in faith that God will make your heart right? His mercy and grace is the answer for everyone who pours out their heart in this situation. Amen? Amen. Amen. Would you all stand with me? I got to point out, Jesus sat in the boat and all the people stood to hear him teach. So next week, I'm going to get a big throne. I'm going to call the boat. And just kidding. You know, I I don't know how. This message affects you. I don't know how it, um, I don't know if you know what to do right now. I mean, I asked you to stand. You're like, okay, obey. I'm going to stand, right? All right. But what do, what do we do? We, we can't do anything. We're either going to pridefully say, that was neat. When is the football game on? What else do I have to do? Or we're humbly going to beat our breasts and call out to the Lord and say, be merciful to me. And I can't, and, you, and you can fake it too. You can say, ah, yeah, be merciful to me. I need you, God. And in your heart you're saying, I don't care. I'm just here because my parents said I have to be. I'm just here because my wife was yelling at me. I'm just here because I'm just here. God sees every single heart. And so, Father, we come right into your presence. You see everything. And God, you know that I know you've convicted me greatly as I've studied this and and I now see with new insights the depth of my wickedness in my heart. And I need you. And there's no magic words to to make this happen it's only by faith that we obtain your grace so father please have mercy on me forgive me and lord i want a new heart every every day i pray that you'd help me remember to ask you for a new heart every day to to live in the new heart that you have freely given me god we pray that that If there's anyone in here that has had just deadness of heart, God, that you would sovereignly make them alive right now. That they would believe your words, they would accept them, and that you would bear fruit in their life. God, we pray for anyone who's been shallow and just um, not ready to dive into you And and suffering consequences in their own life because they're just, they will not spend time with you. God, I pray that you would change their hearts, help them see how much they need your life, your sap flowing through their branches. And God, for anyone who has been um, distracted, they know you, they love you, they know your truth, they're spending time with you, but. In their mind and in their heart, they are worried about other things. They are disobeying your command to cast every care upon you. I pray that you'd help us be transformed. I pray you'd set us free from worrying about anything. Father, we want to be fruitful for you. And we cannot do it ourselves So we throw ourselves upon you and say, be merciful, and please use us in this dying world. Use us in our families. Use us. Give us your life. In your name we pray. Amen.